following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. You know what else isn't funny? What? Mine and your dancing. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it's very funny. I'm going full Elaine Venice here. Thumbs uh, out, uh, one leg twisting, uh, the other leg firmly planted in pretty. place. If people could really see our, uh, what would you call it? I would say dancing skills, lack of whatever. I mean, we have a good time. We have a good time. No. That's the key. Have a good time. Thumbs up for good time. That's what it is. That's that's Elaine, right? That uh, is Elaine. That's yeah. Elaine. You're Elaine. I'm Jerry. And I'm staying in my lane. Or yes. am I Kramer? I don't know who I am. I don't. I don't know the. I have no idea, Jerry. I have no idea. Uh, I'm more George. If we were going to get into it, I would not admit that where people could hear me. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm probably. I, I probably got more in common with George than I do Kramer or Jerry. So there you go. I, I, yeah, I would not I mean, admit yeah. that where people it's, could uh, There's only three people to choose from, or four, I guess. I have nothing in common with Lane, so. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Sure. Uh, let's talk a little. What do you want to do today? Uh, top 25? Let's uh, talk Yeah, uh, let's, do some, let's do some or top, not just top 25. Let's do playoff. Let's talk the ins, playoffs. outs, our thoughts. Playoffs. Uh, all that good, fun stuff. Let's talk uh, defense a little later, right? Special guest coming by. Yes, defensive lineman Rodney Wright, uh, somebody who is – uh, a big personality, very fascinating guy to talk to, very, very soft-spoken. You think, right, big dude, big voice, going to command a room. Rodney is very, very um, – he humbles with action. himself. Is that right? Yeah, he, with he humbles himself when he speaks. I, I thought it was really cool because – So he's not going to be was, a broadcaster because we do not humble ourselves. When I, when I talked to him, um, I, I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of low, you know, but, but – like the the levels, the audio levels were going to be kind of low, and we'd have to uh, mess with it. But in fact, I was too loud, and he was perfect. So I'm sorry, you were too loud. Uh huh. That's a day that ends with a Y. So I was too okay. loud. Yeah. Just making sure that was the one thing when I told people that did not know you when you're coming back. I just said, listen, he talks um, in the same voice all the time. And I talk to the loud. back wall. There's one. One voice loud. There is the, yes, I talk to the audience member at the back wall at the center of the theater. I do not care if we are in a storage closet or a basketball arena or what. Uh, yes, that uh, I can confirm. That is how you talk uh, all the time. Um, I told people they would uh, they would hear you coming and they would know once uh, once they talk to you once or hear twice. Hear me before you see me. Yeah, yes. they, would, they would give it the, you know, but, you know, kind of like Mark Hutzel. Mark likes to believe uh, he is not loud. Where you at least are self-aware. Uh, Mark. Well, well I was. I became. I became aware of how loud my voice was my senior year of high school. Um, I was half asleep, and a professor tried to wake me up uh, to read a passage from a book. And I woke up and I started reading. And he fell off his chair. He was startled at how loud I was, how much I projected, because that's just who I am. I project. Why were you sleeping in class? I feel like that's a secondary issue we need to... Because I was 18 and just didn't have any self-control. 18 and self-control. Don't mix. Okay. They don't mix. 
You're writing that down. What is, what is, ther- worry, what is this therapy? Let's. That's the, get, I, I, hey, hey, hey. You I know get, what is therapeutic? Because uh, it, it's it's talking. Um, I don't know if this is therapeutic or not, because I feel like at some point I'm going to yell at you or you're going to yell at me. Uh, the therapy sessions we had last year going over, which you weren't a part of. Oh, no. Of the playoffs and our projections and venomous we would throw at the uh, bias of the Missouri Valley and the big sky and all that other stuff uh, at you as uh, not at you uh-huh. but at your 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 people over there in in, in my general in your, direction in, in your yes. snootiness of uh, yes. the SoCon stinks and then of course SoCon only got one in but ETSU did get a seed which we didn't think they were going to get and all that that being said this year I think it's not going to be as contentious because I believe the Southern Conference is going to get two. Probably the way things are going, three. I think there's a good chance of three. I think four is asking a lot. But also, this is exactly the kind of situation where the bubble just completely falls apart with two weeks to go and suddenly Furman is sitting pretty for a chance to get in the playoffs. Assuming Furman doesn't win out. If they went out, it obviously doesn't matter. And and then I think you're in a situation where the loser of Samford Mercer probably gets left out. We'll see, though. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Jay, I'm surprised, though, you haven't taken the opportunity to hit your top 25 bumper. I thought you would be all about that when we're talking about national picture. Yeah, that's but, your thing. But but we came in cold. Came in cold. We did. A, dude, dude, no, cold, you know what? Hey, listen, listen. This podcast is live to tape. We can wing it. Do your thing. Yeah, I feel better that you got to do this. Don't you feel better already? It just gives the whole segment a little pep. Does make me happy. Good vibes. Good vibes as we talk about the playoff picture, which we will immediately rip apart with our playoff picture takes. May rip you apart or not. All right, how do you want to you, – do you want to give me one of your eight-seeded teams, and I will give you a agree or disagree. So this won't be very exciting for the first, like, five or six, but it could be uh, later. What if I just give you one of my random seeds and you try – one of my seeds at random and you place them? One, okay, one of your seeds at random. Yeah, I'm gonna place. give you. I'm gonna okay. give you my seeds. I'm okay. gonna give them to you in a, a in a random order. Random order. Okay. Okay. Chattanooga. I just vomited. I'm sorry. What? No, you're right. They they just, they they those were to be there. Montana uh, State. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. So Chattanooga, if I was putting them in, yep. would put them eight because that's how I feel about them. But I'm guessing you're higher on them. Just write it down. Just write it down. Okay, Just okay, write it down. Okay. I'm going to give these to you in no particular order. Just okay. write them down. Chattanooga. Okay. Yeah. Where you who, think they who's are. Who's the next one? Who's the Montana next one? State. Montana State. All right. Weber State. Oof. Oof. Uh, okay. South Dakota State. Uh, I think I know where that one's going to go. Yep. North Dakota State. Ooh, I do not know where this one's going to go. Uh, okay. Sacramento State. I'm going to have to renumber these in a second. <laughs> All right. Idaho. Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. Holy Cross. Where, where am I missing a number? <laughs> Oof. All right. Well, this is my initial thoughts, not knowing where what all the names were. Okay. I went Chattanooga 7. Okay. 
Uh, Montana State, four. Okay. Weber State, five. South Dakota State, one. North Dakota State, three. Sac State, two. Idaho, eight. Holy Cross, six. How close was those? Uh, okay, I'll give them to you in order now. Okay. South Dakota State is one. Okay. Sacramento State is two. Okay. Montana State is three. Ooh, missed that one. Okay. North Dakota State is four. Wasn't bad. Weber State is five. Okay. Chattanooga is six. Ooh, missed that. Idaho is seven. Missed that one. Holy Cross is eight. Okay. So I went egregiously off. I mean, I was off on a few, but mm-hmm. not uh, three and four were flipped. And then basically six, seven, eight were within one of each other, but not right. So right. Well, I wasn't that bad. Okay. I there you go. That. So now. Overall impression, my first two teams out of the picture that still have a very viable shot of getting in are Incarnate Word and Montana. So if you think that I'm completely off base, then um, be patient. This process will play itself out. I, I firmly so, well, Every year, this process plays itself out to where we get to like 10 or 12 teams that you're looking at thinking, yeah, they should probably be a seed. Yeah, they have a shot to be a seed. Yeah, they have this, they have that, they have this, that bona fide. And we ultimately end up in a situation where it kind of takes care of itself. So, give me maybe your two teams next to be seated, and let me see if because that could take away any argument I have because then was just flipping one or two teams. Incarnate Word and Montana. Okay, so those are two teams. I had Incarnate Word in. Okay. Um, I did not have Montana in, but I had Montana on the bubble. So virtually, we're we're off by one, and in this my seating was different, but it's not again egregiously different. Uh, mm-hmm. South Dakota State, Sac State, Montana State, North Dakota State. So probably same four there in exact order. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then I had Weber State. Then I had Incarnate Word. What I have Incarnate Word? Six. Holy Cross, seven. Chattanooga, eight. So we weren't that far off. I would also say Delaware and William and Mary are probably in the mix for a seed. I don't think New Hampshire has a shot at, uh, at a seed, even though they are very clearly on a path to win the automatic bid. I think they've got two games the next two weeks that if they handle their business against Richmond and uh, I don't even remember the other, I think it's Rhode Island. Maine's not going to offer you much at the end of the year. You win those two games, you've got the automatic bid more or less sealed away. I still don't think New Hampshire is a seedable team given their resume. Um, Another team I'd keep an eye on and it depends. I mean, I think there's some there's some other stuff's got to happen, right? We're getting a, you get a little bit chaotic. The second place team in the SoCon, whoever it ends up, right now, it's Samford. How much would you have been ran out of Fargo, even this year, if you uttered those words? Well, the the Valley is just. Behind North Dakota State and South Dakota State, the Valley's just not strong, right? Southern Illinois has shown really high highs, right? They beat Northwestern. Uh, they've gotten a couple of other really nice. They have a win over North Dakota. Um, but then they also turn around and they lose to South Dakota and they lost to Southeast Missouri at, uh, at, at home early in the year. And you're thinking... Oh, I don't know about this team. If they're that good, they're five and three. Um, Elon doesn't. I don't know what it is. Elon doesn't do much for me. The, what's their best non-conference win? They beat. I mean, I know they beat William and Mary, uh, right? So, right, right. They won uh, at uh, Bill and Mary. They beat Richmond in league. They beat Townsend. Then they've lost two straight, two road games. Lost to Rhode Island, New Hampshire. They got, now, if they if they, they beat got Delaware, Delaware yeah. if they come back with Delaware. 
and they handle their business the rest of the year, then we can talk. But and that would, that I, would need them them get, I need them to get one more. And I just don't know how actually objectively good any of these teams in the CAA are. I know the teams in the Big Sky are good. I don't know how good all these CAA teams are. Um, and I think that level of chaos opens the door for someone that we would not expect to get seated. And I would not rule out the possibility that a SOCON team, in addition to Chattanooga, maybe sneaks into the eight. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think based on the information we have right now, it's not as outrageous as it would have been at the beginning of the year where I was just hopeful we'd get two. I think we're looking at three, and we could be looking at two seats. Because the SOCON is good. If you look at them, and again, the committee doesn't use Massey, but I like to use Massey. I think it's a really good resource. I think it's good to to get a gauge of how good some of these teams, and particularly certain conferences are in a given year. There are three SOCON teams. There are four SOCON teams in Massey's top 20. And there are two CAA teams. And three of those four SOCON teams are ranked higher than the highest CAA team, which is William and Mary at 16. Uh, Chattanooga is six. Mercer is nine, even with the loss. And Sanford is 12. So, I'm sorry, Sanford is 11. Southern Illinois is 12. So I think if, if Sanford keeps itself pretty clean against FCS opposition, they have a shot. And if Mercer bounces back and maybe they, they they obviously they blow out VMI. Maybe they win two lopsided games against Furman and Sanford at the end of the year. Maybe they have a shot. Because you're thinking, well, the only team they lost to in FCS is our, like, five seed or six seed. So maybe there's something in there. Uh, I certainly think those are, are valid calculations to make and and possible possibilities to talk about. Now, it could all go sideways. And, you know, knowing my life the last month and a half, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy is uh, out and about these days. But I do see a scenario where the SOCON maybe gets more than one seed, let alone more than one team in the playoffs this year. It just depends on what else happens in what other conferences, but nobody has really been able to stand out outside of the top two teams in the Valley and the top four or five teams in the Big Sky. Holy Cross, I think, is a team that has stood out as well because they got a win over a Buffalo team that's going bowling early in the year. Uh, yes, they had to kind of, they played a close call against, um, excuse me, against um, Lafayette last week. They've got Fordham this week, which is going to tell us a lot. If they win that game big, I think they're a seed and they're going to walk away with the Patriot League at that point. But uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But Holy Cross could lose this week and then their seed chances out the window. So, and that opens the door for chaos. Chaos will find its way into the FCS playoff picture, both in the seeds and in the bubble. So there's a couple leagues I think are going to, throw some monkey wrenches in too i don't know how much um you know i new hampshire i guess could if they if win. you say the nec i'm gonna walk out of the studio 
No, no, not a monkey wrench. In who, I see the NEC on the yes, standings yes, over there. But not to get another team in. I'm just saying for kind of looking and determining their champion. You know, they're going to play a true round robin. They'll get a champion. But Sacred Heart had all the love coming in, and they got beat. Merrimack beat them last week. And then Merrimack and St. Francis both sitting there at 4-0. The Ohio Valley still got a lot to go because you've got UT Martin at 3-0. and CMOs at 2-0. and Tennessee State's yet to really play the one of those, and then it's a bad league. It's only going to get one in. Patriot League right now, it's Holy Crosses to lose, right? But Fordham or somebody, Colgate could throw a monkey wrench in. Patriot League right now, you know, St. Thomas is not is a non-qualifier. They've already beaten Davidson, but Davidson. Yeah, Merrimack is the same way. Merrimack isn't uh, postseason eligible till 2023-24, I don't believe. Yeah, so St. Francis and Sacred Heart – are going to be the two teams battling out. And it's going to be interesting to see which one takes kind of those. The A-Sun Wax only going to get one. You know, we've already talked I, about – I Southern hope what about, that league only gets one. I, I think it only warrants one I, from I, those two conferences that aren't playing each other right now because they expect it to be standalone conferences. And then um, Liberty pulled the rug out from under the A-Sun. Yeah, and it took some teams with them. So – you know, and then they've got Jacksonville State and a few that aren't eligible as well because making the transition up. My question, I guess, because you've talked a little CAA, you've already we've already, without really talking yeah. about the Big Sky, there are plenty of teams there. Missouri Valley, you've mentioned so there are five teams. They are all in the fight to get seated in the Big Sky. Nobody else is close in my mind to the playoffs. UC Davis is maybe the next closest team. They are not in as of today. So, I guess where I'm going with this is, how do you see the Southland? I'm going to go to conferences because we mentioned the ones that are interesting, but yet they're going to get one in. You know, Pioneer's never going to get another team in. Ohio Valley's got no shot to get a second team in right now. Things could change. I guess somebody, a couple teams got hot. I teams think that's Simo's league to lose. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, UT Martin had a chance earlier this year, I think, and if they could have won at Missouri State in a national televised game, it was yeah. a 28 21 game, had a shot, or 28 24, whatever it was, it was a one score game. Now, that win wouldn't shot. have aged particularly well, but... Well, yeah, but at the time, you yeah. know, it's all yeah, about sometimes absolutely. earning that. Absolutely. So, and, you know, for getting a quality opponent on the road that normally you can't get, I mean, give UT Martin that, and I'm sure when yeah. Missouri State signed that, UT Martin was not very good the last couple of years, and they're thinking, hey, let's get this And then you turn win. the ball over five times against them in the playoffs, and you're like, okay, we better beat these guys now. Yeah, I got to figure it out. But, uh, you know, the Southland... There are some interesting names on there. I mean, you got Incarnate Word, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is a, I think is a offensively. I think is and what's a playoff team regardless, right? I mean, and and they it, should a, be a playoff team. They have an FBS win. Uh, they do have a non-counter, so they're technically six and one right now. But yeah, they're good. Okay, so then how does it break out down the stretch with Southeast Louisiana, and then you've got a couple, well, at least one newbie on the block in Texas M, mm. you know, Commerce. Looking at five wins, and again, I'm not I'm not done an in depth on that. Northwestern State's got three conference wins, which is yeah, a commerce shock. commerce isn't eligible. They're playing a full right. Southland schedule this year, so you're looking at if they had to, and if they had to give out the the automatic bid today, it would go to Northwestern State, but Northwestern State still has to play um, the big boys. SLU and also still has to play uh, Incarnate Word. I think that's their well, last they, two they, games. Oh, they got three. They got they got uh, Commerce, Sella, and Incarnate Word. So they should all three. Uh, th- there's a chance they lose all of those games. They just got torched by Semo. 
Um, so there's a chance they lose all those games, finish three and three. If you win two of them, suddenly the Southland gets very, very interesting where uh, Northwestern State has a position. Well, Northwestern State loses more than two of them. They're what? What is their record right now? Are they uh, three and five? Northwestern State? Yeah, Northwestern yes. State. They're three, three and five. And five. So if they I mean, lose, the only if you win, you'd wins. have to win all three, probably, to get, or at the very least, you have to win the last two, to uh, to get the automatic bid. They are a potential bid stealer, but we also haven't seen them win a lot of games that just make you sit up and go, "Oh man, we got to worry about this team." I mean, if I mean, again, because Commerce can't win that, you're looking right. at a one loss Incarnate Word and a one loss Sella team. So if they were to, let's just for the sake of argument, knock off Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word, um, do they play Southeast Louisiana still? I have not checked. So. Uh, Incarnate Word? Yeah. Uh, no, they beat Southeast. They beat uh, – uh, SLU beat UIW okay, earlier so this year. Then in this example, I would say if Incarnate Word beat Northwestern State, Northwestern State upset Sella, then they would have the tiebreaker over – again, in that scenario, would have the tiebreaker over Incarnate Word. Yeah. And then would get the automatic with maybe four or five conference wins. <laughs> There'd be five and six. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Incarnate Word or Sella or somebody. Now then they become what we've talked about a second ago, the bid stealer. That's why, you know, getting into deep dives. I love to do these. I get in the weeds and make you try to figure out because that's the chaos that. Now, I, I will say, I think Southeastern is probably poised. Now, based on their resume today, I don't know that they're they're necessarily in, but I think that is a program that is poised with its last four games to rocket into a spot where they win the automatic bid because McNeese, that they've got this week, hadn't had a very good year. Lamar, that they play next week, has not beaten a D1 team. Then they play Northwestern State, and then they're at Nichols. At the end of the year. Wins and wins and wins, all I heard. That's four wins right there. If they run the table like they should, uh, then you're, what, at that point? Six and one in the conference? Yes. Or five and one? Yeah, um, uh, uh, no, five and one in the conference. You're five and one in the conference. And you have the head-to-head over Incarnate Word. You're in. And it's a two-bid Southland. Because they will win the automatic qualifier at that point. So, yeah, the Southland could throw a a little bit of a spanner in the works. Um, Would it lead to three teams, or would Incarnate Word or Southeast Louisiana be left in the cold because of the random thing that's not going to happen of Northwestern State magically winning two of three? If Northwestern State were to win the automatic bid, I think— Are you going to run around the Dome naked? No. Okay. Uh, I think Nor- I think Southeastern probably is in a situation where they get left out. Um, because at that point, you got the win over Incarnate Word, but who else did you beat? I mean, Jacksonville State? Okay, yeah, sure, that's that's nice. Um, I just don't know that that's enough. And I'll be very interested to see how the committee writes the Southland. And like I said, we've got a month before you got to figure this out. you got four weeks left, four games left, before... You're trying to sort some of this stuff out. Uh, and I think you might need all four of those games. It's going to come down to the wire. If you ask me today, though, if, if Northwestern State wins the automatic bid out of the Southland, it's probably still a two-bid Southland. You shouldn't lose to a team that's getting blown out by SEMO if you want to 
being in the playoffs. It's just my opinion. Oh, no, I like your opinion. Allowed to have it. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other league. I mean, Big South's going to get one. Whoever wins, that's going to be in. Nobody else. I'm just trying to think. So then you're looking at really. F- I mean, Northwestern State lost to Grambling. They are literally the only win for Hugh Jackson's Grambling team this year. And they lost by 26. Come on. Come on. Yeah, you know, they've turned a the corner. They struggled early. <laughs> Listen, my guy Boston, former ETSU guys, the uh, AD down there. I don't know how Northwestern beat. I don't know how Northwestern beat Nichols. I don't know how they did it. I'm not sure Nichols knows how they did it. Well, I mean, for for all intents and purposes, well, Tim, Tim knows. Tim Tim Rebo is my guy. He's a great dude. I I, I love those those folks down in Timido. But man, that's just a total head scratcher. Nichols is another team that I I would. There's going to be chaos in the Southland. Somebody has won games they are not expected to win, has beaten teams that in a given year they are not expected to beat, and that is going to create chaos because those teams that they beat are going to get better at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And I think Nichols might be one of them. I would not be surprised if they, they beat somebody that they're not supposed to beat based on what we know about this season. Okay, I'm going to give you some team names, and you just say right this second, off top of your head, in or out. Okay. Okay, in or out. Now, okay. we've, we've already gave you our seeds, and I'm going to take automatic. I'm going to try to not play the automatic game. I'm just going to say okay. names, and you can either, in your mind, choose to say automatic or there, but I'm just going to rattle off teams. You say yes or no. We've given You give me your top eight. Yep. Okay. Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin. As of right now, out. Okay, Montana State. In. Seed. Campbell. Uh, Pending the result this weekend, if they win, they're in. If they lose, they're out. William and Mary. In. Sacred Heart. Uh, Have to get the auto bid. St. Francis. So 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 one of the two. One of those two gets in. The other one does not. Uh, Which stops me from saying the other one. Uh, SEMO. Automatic only? I think they're going to win the AQ and it won't matter. Um, with a win over another bubble team in Southern Illinois, I think they're probably in. Holy Cross. Definitely in. Davidson? If they win the league? If they win the league, yes. Okay. Uh, South East Louisiana, spend a lot of time on it. Yes or no, in? Right now? No, yes or no, in? No. Okay. Uh, let's go Delaware. In. Mercer? In. Sanford? In. New Hampshire? In. Southern Illinois? In Montana, very close. North in. Dakota, out. Richmond, in. Fordham, out. Furman, out. Rhode Island, out. But just Austin P, out. Illinois State, should be out. Elon, team twenty-five. Okay, and then I have UT Mart, but we're basically thinking one from the OVC. So yeah. them, are, okay. So I don't that, think that, I just don't the, see much in UT. I is mean, there a bubble or a team out there that you had on your radar? Out of I think I rounded off thirty-two teams. Is there thirty-two for twenty-four spots? I even try to throw a few AQs in there. Just actually, want to double back. I think Elon gets in. Elon gets in. Okay, and I didn't write down who, who or what. I just thought it was off top of. Your head, what you think would happen out. Now, we'll go end up next week or two. We hope to have uh, old BMAC on, uh, Brian yes. McLaughlin, have Brian him McLaughlin. on. 
He covers it well. He's been he's been on the other podcast I used to do with another guy. Uh, now he'll be on the new podcast with this guy I do. And he's on a show that I used to do with some other people. Yeah. You like how I act like people have no idea what we're talking about? Yeah, you know, right? They clearly know that you were on so, Bison yeah. 1660 back in the day. What, what, the yeah, what even is that? Yeah. And I had another guy that was a, a – you know, didn't have a name in the byline, but still was on. So, yeah, yep. happens to be at St. Thomas. See, all, all, all the hot takes on this show were cooked up in the galley kitchen. <laughs> I did have to not do as many hot takes because he was always he was always coming in hot. So, uh, which was good, and he always had some uh, um, usually good questions that led to. Uh, and when you work together, as as we've worked together before, but not as much mm-hmm. recently, so. <laughs> You'll kind of learn the hot buttons of how to get me going and same thing. And so oh, that's yeah. what he was good at. How can I get him angry today? Sometimes if we had lack of content, he would just say, here's what I want to do. We're going to do four downs and three of the downs. He knew were just going to get me fired up and going off on random tangents. So uh, the good news is we haven't got it there It is yet. not hard to get me mad about football. I know. I agree with that. Um, talking to you on many other fronts. Uh, and if I could share the last 10 years worth of text messages, I agree. It does not take you a lot to get fired up on, on some of that stuff. So, All right. Well, let's talk a little more football. Uh, Rodney Wright's uh, kind of hanging out in the green room here. Let's I'm going to step aside. I'm going to let him take the hot seat. And uh, you and Rodney have a good conversation here. Back on the Jay and Keith show, and uh, delighted to have with us uh, here in the in the studio, uh, defensive lineman for ETSU. These uh, really right in the heart of everything that happened with the pandemic, because you are a fourth year sophomore. Rodney Wright is with us, and uh, Rod, first of all, is it is it weird to be considered a sophomore for as long as you've been around? Because 2019, you were a true freshman. You redshirted. 2020 is the pandemic year, so you play in the spring, you're a redshirt freshman, you get that year back, so you're a redshirt freshman again, and now you've been here for as long as you have, and you're a sophomore, uh, uh, technically, according to the NCAA. Is is it weird to, to hear people say that when you've been around this long? I mean, it's kind of weird, and I say that because I came in 2019. Yep. 2019. So the guys that I seen was Jason, Matafakwa and Nas player, yeah, and Elijah and Pinkleton. <laughs> so just seeing, I was talking to him a while back, seeing how they graduated and left. Uh, Elijah one, uh, he came in. He was a sophomore. Nah, I was a sophomore. He just, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, really just talking to him, looking at it, it's weird because on the field, they're saying sophomore. I'm being, I'm absolutely. I'm saying to myself, I'm about to graduate. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you at, at this rate, you could probably have a PhD by 28 and have it all paid for. I mean, you. Uh, yeah. No, it's. What is that? What is that like on the on the academic side? Uh, I mean, are you still on track? Four years degree, graduate in the spring, that sort of thing. Are you Are you taking a little extra time, or, or how How have you How have you done that? I feel that it's a blessing. Yeah. Because. I had extra time, but I really don't need it because I'm on track. Like you said, I'm finna graduate awesome. in the spring. Uh, I have two more years to play, so yeah. I'll still be trying to. I'll, I'm thinking about uh, still working on my major. 
yeah. as of right now. So yeah, an opportunity to get a master's degree. Sure. There's all sorts of stuff that you can do with that. But man, you you've been here um, for so long, and, and you've seen everything, just about everything there is to see about ETSU and, and ETSU football. Um, how much has this place changed in the in the time that that you've been here? From the time you were getting recruited and, and coming onto campus and taking visits, and you may or may not have taken a visit to Tipton Stadium back in the day when they were playing at Science Hill, still mm-hmm. before the stadium was built. But um, how how uh, how much has this place changed and grown over the last you know three four years that you've been involved in the program? Uh, really, it's changed a little bit. Playing ball wise, not as much. Mm-hmm. Because on def- on the defensive side, I speak for the defense right now. It's the same culture with Coach Taylor. So every year, hard-nosed defense, like he says. So it's pretty much the same. I'm still I'm still playing with most of the guys I came in with, and that's another blessing. That's always fun. But really just seeing different guys come in and out, seeing how the culture has kind of changed. Uh, with a new coaching staff, mm, different professors, yeah. I'll say. Yeah, it's 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 uh, changed a lot. I mean, the Culp Center's new. Like that okay. was well, that, that maybe that was new from before you got here, but yeah, it, was it was new from when I graduated. It's no longer that uh, you know miserable like. Uh, Soviet Union era brutalist architecture. It actually looks like a place you want to go hang mm. out. It's it's a lot different now. But uh, Ronnie, what's your favorite part of playing for Billy Taylor? I hear all the defensive guys talk about how much they love Coach Taylor. What's your favorite part about playing for that guy? Uh, my favorite part about playing for him is <clears throat> he's going to be him every day. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be no fall off. It's not going to be anything different. It's just how – how he treats you, how you wants to be treat, how you want to be treated. As in, I'm saying, like if you're performing, not on the field but on and off the field, really on the field doing your assignment, being a good teammate, pursuing pursuing to the ball, really just playing hard nosed defense. It's always a smooth vibe. But Coach Taylor, he he's a fun dude, and he really could joke around a little bit. A lot of guys don't talk about it, but. He's a little jokester too, so. I, I absolutely believe that. Does, has his Billy is about as passionate of a figure for ETSU and ETSU football as you're going to find. If you cut him, he bleeds blue and gold. I mean, he's that kind of guy. Has, so. has that does that rub off on the defense and 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 the way you guys play and the intensity you play with? Because you're not just you're not just playing for yourself. You're not even just playing for the guy next to you. You're playing for everybody that wears those colors. Yeah, and we talk about that all the time. We're playing for not just us, not for the the blue and gold, but the alumni. Really, really for the blue and gold, but the, for alumni, the people that put in the work before us, and we're trying to put on for the the future. Really, trying to keep building a foundation, but for sure. Who is your favorite teammate that you've you've had around over the last four years? My favorite teammate. Yeah. Who's a guy that you just you just developed a really tight bond with, have been really close with? And it could be a guy that's here, it could be a guy that's not. It could be you know a guy like Nasir Player who was certainly a star on that defensive front, or it could be you know it, it could be somebody on the other side of the ball. It, it could be the kicker. It could be Tyler Keltner. I mean, whoever it is. Well, I say for the old heads. Okay. I say Elijah Wan Pinkleton. Okay. 
he was like just kept real with me at all times and it was just always he was always fun to be around. We went through the same situation kinda sorta. Mm-hmm. And he was just a cool dude. I'll say for guys that came in with uh DeAndre and Max, mm-hmm. those two guys, cool dudes and younger guys, I'll say Jalen Jones. That's my love that's my love partner right there. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. What do you hope the young guys that are coming through now think about you when you're when you're the old head, when you're the guy coming back here, you know, for like homecoming, alumni practices, stuff like that. Uh, when you're around this program as an older guy, what do you hope those young guys think about you and pass on about you? Oh, uh, really, Rod, he was a crazy dude on the <laughs> field, but he played with a lot of passion. He cared about the game and really he carried himself in the way that, like, when you playing the game, how you want to, oh, that's the guy you can look up to playing. Tell me about the fumble at VMI. What did you see? Because Jay said on the radio, Sando said that you you, go, you went 90 for a touchdown, and they revised it to 86, and that's one yard short of the record. And I was just like, oh, come on. Uh, well, what did you see? Do you think you went 90 yards on that return? To be honest, it felt like a smooth little 70. <laughs> <laughs> they they gave you 80 they gave you 80 uh 86 for it. So okay, that's smooth. That's smooth. <laughs> but the fir- first thing I saw for real was uh DeAndre running. He was like, "We out. We out." Yeah. I was just like, "All right, we we got to do it. We out. We out." I look back. <laughs> I see my boy Zach. I'm trying to point on who to block. So I got the ball in one hand, trying yeah. to point. Dre, <clears throat> get a little block, Zach. <clears throat> get a little block. Just kept running. I was like, I got to score at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that that's fun. You, you get to direct the blockers. Like, that's a that's a nice change. When's the last time you carried a football like that? Uh, I'll probably say high school. Okay. Senior year. Yeah. 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 So you were uh, you were a pretty versatile athlete in, in high school. You were uh, you lettered in wrestling. I believe uh, that is that correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Did did you what what was that like and how much does that help you in the trenches? You know, with like footwork and trying to just you know get by a guy, get leverage on a guy, and um, you know be be able to beat your man, be disruptive in the backfield. Uh, okay. So when it comes to wrestling, I'm a big guy. Yeah. But when it comes to wrestling, you got bigger guys. <laughs> so the the weight class is 280. So I was about two, 238, 240 wrestling in the 280. So it brought a little more nitty-gritty out of me. And then it's like one-on-one, all eyes on you. So you don't want to lose. The other person don't want to lose. So it's all about who's going to handle business. Yeah. Was that fun? Like you said, you, you, I mean, defensive linemen, unless you're, you know, knocking the snot out of the quarterback, you don't really necessarily get a whole lot of shine. You get to be in the spotlight one-on-one against another guy. Was that was that fun? Did you enjoy that? Uh, it was it was fun. It was, it's not like on the field, though. Right. It was it was real smooth. Yeah, that's, that is that is cool. You're also a defensive lineman in a three-man front. That means more often than not, you, you might have a couple guys that are drawing double teams. Now, you're not gonna, you're not necessarily gonna draw them every single game, uh, but they're gonna be guys that have to take up more than one gap. That means you're gonna be occupied with a lot of different sets of hands, a lot of different bodies that are gonna be thrown at you. How 
hard is that physically to deal with over the course of a three-hour football game? And, and how, how much ice and recovery time do you need after that? Mm, to be honest, I, I recover pretty heavy after every game. Mm-hmm. Got to. Got to keep your body good. Your body's a temple. But uh, double teams and a three-man front, that's – that's something. Yeah. You gotta you see that a lot in the so kind. That's that hard nosed football. You gotta be ready for it. Well we, we just work on it a lot. We stay low, do what we have to do, and we most definitely we do our job. That's the biggest thing. If you do your job, you don't really have to worry about the double team. Handle your man and the rest is gonna come. Cause I know we got linebackers that's gonna flow. Yeah, I mean, you're you're what, 285, 290, somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah, 260. 260, okay. Yeah. So you're giving up, instead of giving up, like, whatever it was, 40 pounds when you were wrestling in high school, now you're giving up 335 pounds to double teams. That that's that, that, that does, uh, I don't know that anything can necessarily prepare you for that. That's hard. No, I like it, though. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge, but, yeah. hey, that's what we want. That's Absolutely. What we want every game. Yeah. I, every year produces its own unique challenges. I mean, last year was the best team in school history. Um, you know, that was you know, or certainly the best team since 1969, which might as well for everybody around this, it might as well be the best team in school history at this point. Um, this year's been a little bit different. It's not what you guys were hoping for. Um, how do you keep spirits high and, and keep this group together so that you can finish the season strong? Really just stand together as a team. Uh, going into meetings, focus, going into the weight. It starts in the weight room, getting up at 7, 8 o'clock, 9, 20, getting that workout in, having a successful lift. That's what starts everything after that, meetings, being positive in meetings, being positive at practice, uh, and keep intensity high, keep the motor up, try to keep the motor up, and really just stand up, still having fun. That's the biggest part, Rodney. Uh, this is we're we're just starting to st- interview athletes on this this show, so I want I want to try something here. Um, the next athlete that we have on this show, I want you to ask them a question. You don't know who it's going to be. Could be a guy. Could be a girl. Could be a basketball player. Could be a softball player. Could be soccer. Could be a volleyball player. Could be another football player. What's something that you want to know about? another ETSU athlete. You get a chance to ask them a question that we will ask them on their on their on the next interview. It could be like it could be any type anything of anything you want. What's the most embarrassing thing that happened during, while while in a game? Okay. Now I'm going to ask you that same question. What's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you in a game? Most embarrassing thing that happened to me. I'll say in high school, it was kickoff. Oh. I was on kickoff return. A guy, in the, long story short, a, a, a guy in the front missed his man. I wasn't looking, and got a little, got a little snap. Uh-oh. You feel me? Got back up, played, but I was a little, you know what I'm saying? That it takes a, it takes a few plays for for that that to shake off because it's just like I never saw him. It's just you, it this, little, that's the those are the worst ones too. Is the one like. I mean, if you watch it from 10,000 feet, it's a clean hit, like it's a legal hit, but you never see him in the moment, and you just you just end up on your back. Just a little wake up. Just yeah. a little wake up. We all need him. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think I'll stick to coffee and smelling salts. But if that's if that's what wakes you up, then that's what wakes you up. Rodney Wright, ETSU defensive lineman, with us on the Jay and Keith show. Rod, it's great to talk with you, man. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. That's a nice guy, man. That's that's the that's the impression I come away with from talking to Rodney Wright. It's like, man, he is really nice. So what I forgot to have you ask, uh huh, because um, I did this with sailors too. I forgot to have you ask something. Um, I really wanted you to ask about the time that he stole one of the offensive linemen's hats that signals in offensive play. So they have, so they have two offensive linemen and uh, Haynes Eller, the quarterback, and they all do hand signals. And so some go to position groups, right? And so that way you run a little faster. Right, blah, right, blah. right. So defense does not do any of that. But Rodney Wright, at the end of the Robert Morris game, stole one of the hats and was signaling in <laughs> defensive signals with dance moves that um, I couldn't stop laughing about. And at one point, I know people are wondering why – because there's no point in the game for me just to be laughing. And even Mark Hutzel and Kevin Brown is to my left and Robert's on the sideline. And they're like, what in the, the one point we get in a break? I'm like, I'm just watching Rodney supposedly call in defensive things with dance moves and hand signals and things that aren't what they're supposed to be. And I could not take my off of it. And I forgot to yeah. have you bring that up with Rodney because I think it's he's kind of the actions more than words guy. But, a little bit. But yeah. He is very funny, um, and sometimes when we get athletes in a setting like this where they tend to, like, not sure if they can be who they are, and it's tough to get them to know, even though if yeah. we're like, hey, man, it's just podcast, we're going to have fun, we're going to do whatever. But uh, Rodney is uh, very well-liked on the team, very uh, fun guy, mm-hmm. um, to say the least. Likes to have a good time and appreciate Jacob Saylor's kind of throwing in the word of, like, hey – I want to talk to Rodney Plus, very apropos, just a few weeks ago, uh, in which I enjoyed you asked him last time he carried a football because the palming of the ball running down the field is still one of my favorite moments of the year. <laughs> yes, uh, and he was uh, he was disappointed to learn that he he had been shortchanged by two yards from the record for the longest fumble return in school history. I tried to give him the record, but they don't. No, know I what told I him. Said. I said yeah, you you gave him ninety, and he said it felt like a it felt like a good seventy, and I told him it was eighty it was eighty six, and he said yes. Yeah, that's smooth. I love that. Uh, Rod, Rod's great. Um, you can tell how much the defensive guys love playing uh, as a group and uh, love playing for Billy Taylor as well. Um, that that group seems to be holding together really good, even though things aren't going the way they want in terms of wins and losses. So you know what? Uh, I'm glad you you didn't get it with Rodney, right? What? Say what? <laughs> say what? Say, 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 say oh, buddy. Oh, buddy, you want to do say what? Okay. Of course I do. And you want to do say what? All right. Well, let's let's do a little say what, shall we? Let's start off with uh, someone that I know you're a big fan of. Opening statement. We just watched it for four quarters. Let's go. All right. That's a good win. Okay. That's a good win. That's a group out there prepared themselves all week. I think the difference between this year and last year when we went down there was last year I think we wanted to win. This year I think we believe we can win. That is Chattanooga head coach Rusty Wright after the win over Mercer. Opening statement, you just watched four quarters of it. I mean, the start of that game, you could not have scripted a better start. At Mercer, the last couple mm-hmm. games, it kind of squeaked by and, and beaten Chad. And, and, you know, the opening kickoff fumble clearly – hurt Mercer, but it was similar to the fumble or the interception ETSU Furman 
Like it was really three and out. You held to a field goal, so you're thinking, okay, ETSU's fine. ETSU yeah. and went down and scored. You're thinking, okay, Mercer's probably going to be fine. And then Fred Payton kind of, I don't know, him or the receiver, clearly somebody did something wrong because the pick up. six was thrown yeah. to nobody but a white jersey. Uh, and Cam Brown was the only guy within 20 yards of this thing. I don't know. Somebody did something wrong. and so Or a bad read one way or another. And it was 10 nothing, and then Mercer got a first down, and you're thinking, okay, it's still going to settle down. They had to punt, and then Chat went right down the field and scored again, mm-hmm. and it was 17 nothing, and I had that feeling of, oh, boy. But when they held Devron Harper to negative yards rushing, you knew they were kind of dialed in. 64 total yards rushing. The D-line just, just manhandled everybody. It's just an impressive defensive line. And for Coach Wright, I would thump my chest too. No doubt. No doubt. Um, all right, how about covering your chest with a quarter zip? That's what three guys did on the Manning cast on Monday night, and two of them wanted to know about being a house guest of the other. Both of you guys were gentlemen. There was some silverware missing after that visit, <laughs> but but we, could, <laughs> we couldn't directly trace it to you. So That is, of course, President Barack Obama on the Manning cast on Monday Night Football. Uh, when he was asked which of the Mannings was a better visit to the White House. I kind of feel like, uh, I, I mean. Well, didn't, didn't Peyton beat the Bears for one of his titles? Yes. I feel like that probably seals it. It's Eli. Yeah. Yeah, it beat Rex Grossman. Yeah. Speaking of gross, that was a gross game. But um, <laughs> I, I kind of feel like it was Eli. And I was going to go this route. I mean, Eli's had to live a lot in New York. You know, you got to fend for yourself, you know, nice things. And is it not a rib to steal something from the White House and go, hey, man, I got a fork? Like, I could see that. That's, I mean, in fairness, that's something probably I would do. But that's uh, that's a personal problem. I think it is. I, I think I have, I have done a good enough job of not taking towels out of hotels over the years to be able to not take a fork. Out of the yeah, White they House. charge you now if you don't know that. Yeah, you know, take a pillow, they go back and recount everything. Yeah, yeah. they used yeah, to. I'm not. sure they do. They, they got smart. Yeah, well, it's like you know, I just, I just want to run into somebody like Andy Garcia in Ocean's Eleven. No, you can keep the towels. Uh, anyway, um, how about somebody who is far from throwing in the towel for ETSU men's soccer? Little history made yesterday. Did you know you tied the record today? I. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know personally, but um, Cameron Carroll told me told me all about it. So that means the world. Been putting in a lot of hard work, and to see it finally pay off, it's awesome. Yeah. As ETSU men's soccer forward, and in my opinion, SoCon Offensive Player of the Year, Kieran Richards, uh, after scoring his 11th goal yesterday, scored two against Northern Kentucky on Tuesday afternoon. And that tied the program record for goals in a season with Joao Amalo and uh, David Gino. You know, I forgot Amalo had it. Now, Gino, I, I could have rattled off the top of my head, but I forgot about Amalo. Um, he's been fun to watch uh, yeah. this year. Going back to Richards, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know I rattled off a bunch of names. But going back to Richards this year, he just the creativity. And then every once in a while, and even in soccer, sometimes you can have obviously very well-struck balls that are unlucky. Mm-hmm. or just whatever, and you can have some that kind of carry them and go whatever. I kind of feel like he's not had any cheap goals either. He's had, you know. Uh, not- I mean, probably the cheapest one was the one, the second one against NKU where he just kind of, 
you know, Betancourt has the great shot that tests the keeper, and he's right there, right place, right time to just sweep it into an open net. That's probably the easiest one he's had all season. He has made some great runs, and he's earned a lot of it. Right, but and, and, and Bob, Cheapy, I'm talking about the ones that we all saw. Actually, ETSU lost on a, on a goal earlier this year that was just kind of caromed and, and deflected. You can and, say Gardner-Webb. It's I, okay. I don't want to say Gardner-Webb, but yes, but the GW game, yeah. sometimes you have those goals. And it's not going to happen. Sometimes, you know, you are trying to uh, strike a cross and it goes off the side of your foot and it just goes the other way and it throws everybody off because of what you're doing. I mean, there's really no cheap goals, too. And sometimes guys get in a kind of zone or whatever it is and have those special years. And uh-huh. he's had a very, not just a special year of scoring goals, of setting up teammates to score goals as well. Yeah. Uh, Richards this season, say, so look up my chart 11 goals and three assists. Playing up front with uh, Tarek Ponholzer, who has four goals and three assists this year combined, they have 35 career goals, which is an That's outstanding pair. Um, and Ponholzer has another; he's a junior, and Richards is. And a they've senior. locked up, uh, uh, you know, one or two seed, more likely the one or the two. Yeah. yeah. So, so they are in a great position where that is concerned. All and right, I do have, I have a print quote. Okay. Somewhere. That I have to fish out, and here. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, <clears throat> I love Sam. He's been awesome since the day I got here. My job shifts now, and I got to do everything I can to help him. He's going to do great for us. End quote from Colts quarterback Matt Ryan after being benched for Sam Ellinger in Indianapolis. That is what you're supposed to say if you're a veteran and you get benched yep. to the younger guy. And that shows you that Matt Ryan is a pro and maybe he goes behind the scenes and screams uh, four-letter words into a pillow that may you may not may steal from a hotel that you would have. Yes. Yes. Uh, I got another print quote real quick here because okay. I had to, I had to confirm this, but I believe it is. I believe it is. There is it is. Uh, I had to confirm the veracity of this. Quote, Russell Wilson worked out and stretched for four of the eight hours on the flight from Denver to London, said he was doing high knees in the aisle when the rest of the guys were asleep. End quote from Zach Stevens of the DNVR reporting on Wilson's travel routine as the Broncos go to London this week. I'm trying to think what is he working? I mean, he's in Denver. He's already a mile high up. Does he have to work on the lung capacity while he's in the airwaves more. I'm confused on you have nothing but time to work out as a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. I would think the plane ride to London would be a good time to rest, catch up on a nap or whatever. I have no idea what Russell Wilson's. I mean, it doesn't shock me. There are quirky pro guys that do quirky things and work out at different times or Whatever it may be, but uh, I don't know necessarily. I think that's his way of working out frustration. He's frustrated because the move hasn't gone the way he wanted it to. He hasn't clicked so with Hackett. Four of the eight There's a lot of run, run, pass going on, like he dealt with in Seattle, that made him really unhappy. So his way to work through frustration is to um, suffer, strain himself at altitude, and then when you're you're having to work through that then you don't have to think about or get to think about all the other things that have gone wrong. What do you think Ripken was doing? Ripken? Yeah, yeah. I think he was asleep. That's what I would be doing. Okay. 
I would be asleep for most of that yeah, flight, yeah. especially if I, I were like on like a, yeah, so like a private be, yeah. team plane, like uh-huh. the ones they have. Uh-huh. If you can get out in the aisle and do knee highs, man, I'm going to be sprawled out in that aisle asleep, dog. Like, speaking of speaking of aisles, oh. how about somebody who's a big window fan? And I'm genuinely fearful that on our team, if, if, if me and the other coaches don't get them right, um, <clears throat> that about a generation from now, um, their kids and their grandkids won't have hands, you know, because, um, you know, f- from a lack of use, those hands just disappear. I mean, and, and maybe it'll be like this, like those dinosaur hands like this are, you see. And, and you know, you got like a Tyrannosaurus Rex who's clearly good at eating things, big old jaws and all that stuff, fairly athletic and run. Well, his hands are like this. And I don't want all of a sudden... You know, a guy's driving across this country, and then they get to Starkville, Mississippi, and all of a sudden there's these athletic-looking, friendly guys, because we have great guys that don't have any hands. And I hope that that's not the case. But that's where we're headed right now, and we're going to try to get that fixed in this off week. That's Mike Leach, Mississippi State head coach, on his wide receivers. He's a national treasure. I've said it for many years. I've already quoted him several times mm-hmm. uh, on the Jane Keith uh, podcast here and on other podcasts and other radio stations. He is a national treasure that needs to be put up somehow that we can access his brain and all his thoughts, get them out because they need to be said and need to be heard and need to be valued. He is. I, I could listen, and I hope, and I am going to send the message. Hey, can, can Mike come on our show? I'm sure he won't, but – I will send it out there and see if he will because it – oh, and I will not do the interview. I'll let Keith do it, but I will sit there and just listen and bask in all of his greatness. He is one of the most quotable, mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. thought process person, you know, well thought out at times uh, and sometimes not well thought out because I'm not sure, you know um, – how only his team would not have hands, but the guys driving there would have hands. I was confused on – he lost me there. I was tracking the all guys the guys driving stuff. there have hands, right, but, but his team over the not. course of lack of use of their hands generations from now, the descendants of his wide receivers might not have any. He Yes, because – and then somehow he's still recruiting those guys to be on his team, which I question him on that. But that's a that's a him problem, right? Uh, that why are you still recruiting no hands guys? Um, but he's talking to his wide receivers about that and um, – you know, uh, for a guy that wants to throw the football. That is a really roundabout way to, but also very thorough and detailed way to slam your wideouts for not catching the ball. I think that's, um, I I would say, I wonder if he gets in team meetings, mm-hmm. do his stories go that way? Or is this his shtick? Uh, this is his shtick and like he goes and is very succinct with his players. Is that what you think? I think so. Okay. I'm not disagreeing. I think he would have to be. I think he point, tries right? to find colorful, dip, colorful, not necessarily diplomatic ways, but colorful ways to not immediately just say, catch the ball, you know? Yeah, just don't curse at him for no reason. Exactly, okay. exactly. But do that in the team meetings. Just don't do it in the press. That's what I would... That's, I agree with that. I think that's how he does it. I think that's how he does it. Um, speaking of, and another big fan of windows, and particularly window seats, on airplanes. How about a good friend of ours? Listen, first of all, I have a very weak stomach. Paint okay? that, paint that picture all right, for me, so please. I'm a, I'm a window guy. Okay, I'm a window guy. I like to sleep. Okay, so I get the window 
It's one of those, you know, middle seat, uh, aisle seat deals. Uh, Mom and little guy sits down next to me. Ah, I got my little personal pan pizza. Little guy eating personal pan pizza. We take off. We hit turbulence, and he throws up. Okay. Well, I got a weak stomach, and I can't get out. I'm blocked. Okay. So, well, I just, all right, well, I'm not going to throw up on myself. So I turn, and I throw up all over the kid. And and the stewardess came by, and she looked at me and said, you're crazy. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? What did the kid's mom do? She had, she could say nothing because she caused it by letting Junior have his personal pan pizza. And it was a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut, I can tell you, with pepperonis because it came right out the nose. We're going to cut it off right there. That's a Wake Forest head coach and former ETSU head coach Steve Forbes. Speaking of national treasures, that's, a, that's another guy. And uh, the first thought, I have a weak stomach, too. Me and him have actually had this conversation many mm-hmm. years ago, uh, not about being on a plane, but how if you're around kind of the smell of that, that it's it's a quick trigger and you don't want to be around me. And it goes Sure. Through. In the same token, uh, I played that quote from my wife when it came out, and she said, please ask Steve if he's ever heard of a barf bag. So I did. I did. Uh-huh. And now I'm going to pull a Keith and read the exact quote from Steve Forbes to me. Let's do it. Uh, I said, my wife wants to know if you've ever heard of a barf bag. I said you'd rather prove a point. <laughs> His direct quote back is exactly, you puke, I puke on you, just being the adult in the situation. Being the okay. adult, and which I knew that's what he was going to say. He, just, I mean, he, just, I mean, the kid's not going to learn unless you puke back on him, you know. And the mother's not going to learn if you give your kid this food to let him puke. That's how that's what it's going to be. And the fact that he said, "I love that the question coming back at him was what did the mom say." Well, nothing. She knew she was in the wrong. That's a typical uh, Steve Forbes life life lesson. There, if you've ever uh, spent any time with Steve Forbes. I, I knew that was going to be the answer, I, I, though. The adult. He's the adult. And and I will say, adult, he did put in quotation marks. He was the adult of the situation. I got nothing. I got nothing, bud. I'm telling you. It's, uh... I got absolutely nothing. Keith.exe has crashed. The Steve For- I mean, listen, if I can, every week you find me a Mike Leach and a Steve Forbes quote, uh, say what will live on forever. Say what? Yes, it will. I think that's it. I mean, we're over. We're like an hour fifteen into the show, right? I don't know. I gave up. Yeah, it's amazing. Know. Our first shows, you know, we're like forty-five minutes, and like, yeah, okay, and then and then we turn the corner, and then at some point, we're gonna have to just look and go, hey, we have to. Cut let's some just stuff let's out. just lean into it and do like a four-hour podcast. One of those four-hour podcasts where they play Dungeons and Dragons. I, Get you and me point. and Hellman. And Hutzel in I here. I bet Hellman knows how to play. Hellman definitely knows how to play D&D. He's been playing since at least AD&D. Hutzel <laughs> will be learning completely from scratch, though. And it'll be great. I saw what you did there. Yeah. Uh, all right, big thanks to Rodney Wright. Uh, we talked a little football nationally. We're going to talk a lot of football tomorrow. ETSU and Wofford. Some other Southern Conference tilts. We'll have that breakdown for you tomorrow in another edition of the Jay and Keith Podcast. Bucket is right now, Don't eat pizza on an airplane. Oh, you gotta be kidding me!